Hello everyone, it's Matt, and welcome to Roleplay Chat. Today's episode is a little bit different. It's going to be a bonus episode. Chris and I had to refilm the episode on player character creation for our YouTube channel, um, mainly because the video quality that we had in the first video wasn't very good. As a result, we had an episode that was a little bit different. Uh, we actually changed the format and ended up talking about a few things that were different from the previous podcast episode on creating play player characters. Under normal circumstances, a roleplay chat discussion wouldn't be so similar to the previous episode, but because we had to refilm, we figured we'd give you this content anyways. Future roleplay chat episodes will have content that's much different. We might touch on things like NPC creation or creation of villains for a long-term campaign, etc., etc. But we figured because this content was already here that we'd share it with you guys via podcast. By no means do you have to listen to this episode, but if you did enjoy the first one, there might be some tidbits of information here that we didn't get a chance to talk about last time. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Chris, we're creating a character. Let's roll for our stats. Uh, wait, I don't really care about stats, though. Oh. I am Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We're two dungeon masters or game masters who just can't stop talking about role-playing games. Yes, and today we're talking about creating characters. How different aspects define a character, um, how the books tell you to do it, and how we do it. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do it, uh, and there's a lot of different elements. It can be quite daunting, even for someone who is, you know, has been in the hobby for a very long time. So we're going to talk about all those things and even touch on some of the theories that some people have <clears throat> on, on what creates a fun or interesting uh, player character. Things like having a broken character or things like relevance to the plot. Min-maxing, we'll touch on that. Um, stats, powers, player abilities. All these kinds of things. And of course, story elements. Something that the two of us are very fond of, um, if you haven't found that out already. So I think, uh, I think we're about ready for this, Chris. I'm ready, Matt. Let's roleplay role chat. chat. Alright, first question. What's important for you when you create a character, Matthew? Uh, when, when I'm creating a player character for myself, I think the most fun for me is coming up with a kind of quirky personality that's going to be interesting to act, interesting to roleplay, and uh, dynamic, fun, and kind of silly, almost. Uh, I think of things like accents. Maybe he's going to speak a little bit like this. Or maybe he'll speak like this. I mean, that'd be hard. That'd hurt my voice after yeah. uh, a long session. But anyway, I, I try to think of, of interesting um, interesting personalities. I like to think of it almost as like an improv acting challenge to myself. I'm far from an actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's but, the, that's part of the role play experience, right? Is role playing is kind of acting on a small scale. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, so it's things like that, little little quirks, little personalities, and that's usually the the thing that kind of I build my character around. 
Yeah. So I, I think of maybe it's from a TV show. I'm like, oh, that that's a that's an interesting character that I would like to play. That's kind of how I start. I start with the personality, the the accents, the quirks, and then I unravel all the other stuff from there. Okay, that's not the way I do it. But the last character I did, inspired by kind of your way of doing it, I I tried it and I really liked it. Like starting with how I want to act. Starting from that and going backward from that point was very interesting for me and different from what I usually do. Yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that. I guess we'll find out uh, if if that pays off in the long run for you. Uh, that that's always been my challenge with it is that because I'm focusing on the way they act, I tend to forget about the way that they ought to evolve in mm -hmm. the story and in the in the campaign. Um, maybe I just need to be more cognizant of that and try to f focus on it a little bit more. So I'm interested to see how, how that works out. For yeah, because like you said, usually what I do when I create characters is what you basically said right now is I start with how I want them to evolve. Usually I have like a question, something a bit more like a philosophical question that I want to answer, maybe about myself, maybe about the world or, or anything. But I usually think about how they can evolve, maybe a best case scenario and a worst case scenario, and basically throw that to the GM and see what comes out of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's true that trying your, like starting with the quirky mannerism and stuff like that, then it becomes a bit more, I don't want to say shallow, but like less. It feels more surface level. Right? Yeah, it, yeah, it feels more surface level. It feels like really fun and sh more short term. So I'm, I'm also looking forward to see the evolution I can incorporate in that character because usually that's the main thing and they're not that, I don't want to say fun to play, but it's not at their core. So I guess you guys can tell already that when we create our player characters, we think a lot about, about story. Um, something that I think we ought to ask ourselves here, Chris, is where do stats fit in? For you, when you're creating a character, how much focus do you pay to to, to your statistics, your your power, your abilities, all that kind of stuff? Yes, um, I mean it's always ability depends on the system. But what I do for at least Fate and other systems that I usually use is I make the stat represent the character I wanted to have. So I, but when I'm starting to think about stats, I usually have a good idea of what that character is about mm -hmm. so like as an example for in the fate system you have like a pyramid of uh, different stats i would usually like the first three like the top three would be obvious at this point i'm not even asking the question like they are obvious okay the lower one not so much but that's not really important so i would feel like if i were to create like even that in D, &D i would have an idea and i would like to work with more of a stat block where I could actually put it where I want it to represent the character I want to play and not let fate represent. Yeah, roll your dice and let it let it decide. I know a lot of people uh, are like extremely into rolling dice. They think, you know, that's part of the game is rolling the dice, seeing where they land and just rolling with the punches. Mm -hmm. But I think I agree with you that when I'm playing a character, I want to play this character for a decent amount of time. If I'm 
letting the dice dictate what they're good at and what they're bad at, it, it might ruin the fun for me. I yeah, I, I think the only case I would do that is if like I have no idea, yeah. and you know what I want, I want something different than what I play normally. Let's say mm -hmm. I would roll the stat and then I will see. Okay, what what does it spark? What's interesting about that character and that combination of stats? But if I don't find anything, I'll scrap it and start over. Um, let's see. What's our next question? We talk about stats. Maybe it makes sense to talk about powers. Yeah. What do you think? Feats and D and D. They're called uh, they're called stunts in the fate system. They have different names in different systems. I feel like most systems have this like a special ability, not ability as in score, but like a special power that you can use in specific situation. So that's usually when character becomes interesting to me. Yeah, I mean that's definitely what makes them unique. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that is front and center for you when you're creating a character? It's kind of like, obviously the story element, and then is the next thing, okay, what is their power going to be? What's their ability going to be? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty core to the character creation for me. At least, maybe not like, if let's say you start with five, mm -hmm. I would say one or two are really like, what's the character go-to power when maybe in combat? Usually it's in combat. Or maybe he's a social person, um, then you would have a power to represent that. Mm -hmm. Having a high stat to me is not enough. You need something specific that nobody else can do. And that's where I think powers really shine. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's pretty much. Uh, do you have anything yeah, to um, say for. I mean, one thing that I think that is a lot of fun to do, especially when we're talking about powers, is to talk about maybe one of your favorite powers. Oh, that's, yeah. One of my favorite powers. The first one that comes to mind, there's probably other ones, but there's a, in the, our campaign, in Blood and Betrayal, Otis has one that's, I don't know why, it's interesting to me. It's uh, almost like a scout where he goes ahead, looks at the situation. It's called Assess the Situation. And then he creates bonuses uh, relating to different aspects. And then if he takes the time to talk to his friends, they can also use that, those bonuses. And that, I feel like that creates mechanical bonuses, but also yeah. it brings out the character. It, it creates role play. It, like, it fuels different aspects of... Especially lately, like, right? Like yeah. in the later half of the game, <clears throat> excuse me, the later half of the game, when Otis was rolling this, we we would actually ask him, like, okay, explain to us what the advantage is. Yeah. And sometimes he'd come up with, oh, shoot him in the knees, he's limping. Or... <laughs> How yeah, about you? That's a pretty pretty cool one. Um, for me, a cool power. I mean, I'm a little bit partial to my powers in the Blood and Betrayal campaign because they're the ones I'm the most familiar with. I, I really like, maybe from a Game Master perspective, and... <laughs> I'm the player in this in this game, <laughs> but I really like Diedrich's power in the Blood and Betrayal campaign, where he can do a premonition. Yeah, he can sit down, hunker down, spend an evening, I think, or five, six hours, something like this. It's three hours, but it needs to be at night. Okay, three hours stars, needs yeah. to be at night, and he can basically try to see the future. And here, try I think is a very important element. Yeah, um, and I think that some of the most fun 
direction giving maybe that I've had as a player was doing that. Mm-hmm. Or I would have, I would go in, I'd have one of these premonitions. You would use this as a tool to tell your players or to tell me to then tell the players information that you kind of wanted me to share, but you didn't want it to be too obvious. And it allowed me to like flex my brain a little bit to try to determine why this was important, what elements I should say, what elements maybe would just kind of get confused, this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really cool. I thought it led to some of the most interesting decision-making that I had to make as a player ever. Um, So talk about powers. What's the next thing? Um, We talked about this. So we could talk about um, the team. Yeah. So one thing we both take into consideration, we talked about you being mannerism and me being more like a question. But one thing I think we always keep in mind is what's your place in the team? Yeah, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, Warhammer, Fate System, all of these role-playing games, at the end of the day, are a team game. Um or at least they have the potential to be in like unlocked. The final form is unlocked when you're working as a team. Yeah. Uh, game master included. I, I consider the game master and the players to all be on the same team working together. Um, so for your party, I, I think we both agree here that it should be a collaborative effort that people do at least somewhat together. I know we don't always have the liberty to do it entirely together. But to, to have some back and forth, okay, you're going to be this, oh, okay, maybe I should be a more healer type because you're going to be in the front line all the time. Or, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, you're going to be like casting stuff from a distance. Well, you need someone to defend you. So I'm going to be like a tank that's going to absorb mm-hmm. damage. So you kind of synergize in that, in that, in the tactical sense. But then obviously there's the story sense too. Mm-hmm. You can tell a much better story if people's backstories are linked together. Um, yeah. So, so if you're creating your your hero alone, you're coming up with this really cool backstory. You fill in all the holes, all the plot about the past twenty years of your hero's life. <laughs> Not a lot of people do that, but if, if you did that, or you had mm-hmm. a very good idea of who your hero was, and then you come into a team environment where you have to work with these other players. Yeah, yeah. Having having a a background or a backstory that fits with the other players and also that's why you were saying like the game master is also part of the team it needs to be linked i think to the plot at least a little bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or maybe you're linked to someone who's linked to the plot right so yeah that's part of creating a good team synergy is actually have links i know one time we played a game that the first thing we did is well not the first thing but one of the first thing was Find something you, someone you like, and tell us why. And find something you dislike, and tell us why. Not necessarily dislike as I don't want to work with him, but more like a coworker that's maybe you don't agree on everything with them, mm-hmm. and that builds a team. Otherwise, you just have a bunch of individual, right? Yeah, exactly. You you, and I mean you can play with a bunch of individuals. I've I've had games run like that. I, I've even in the beginning, I ran games like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that it's the most fun for me when people are in it together, people are working um, with kind of a background. You know, like 
they synergize well because they're two brothers or they synergize well because this person's indebted to that person. And you mm -hmm. create these really interesting relationships that basically feed the role play of your player character. Mm -hmm. And it, like you're saying, have the game master be a, be a part of it so that they can kind of give you the, the quirks and personalities that reflect the story and the, the world that you're going to be in. Basically. Yeah, it makes a less awkward start to so and that's sometimes the problem so i think that's that's good um I, I think we could talk about this forever but let's maybe move on to something else yeah i feel like the team synergy thing could make a whole video by itself um then we're talking about relevance to the plot so we kind of touched on this a little bit um having your backstory relevant to the plot but also you were you quickly mentioned like leaving holes and I think that's very important when you're creating a character to have holes in the way you see your character so that you can fill it with the game master's um, story or at least uh, perception of your character. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I'm, and I'm trying to think, where did we get that from? Is that something that someone's theory, like, you know, for character creation... Because for those of you that might not know, what we're talking about is when you're creating the backstory of your hero, to leave gaps. Sometimes, I think, important ones. Like mm -hmm. your allegiances, or your family name, or your, your, your political views on something that might be extremely important in the campaign. Mm -hmm. Right? That, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having something like, when it comes up in the story, be like... You know what that group we just met that i didn't know existed i would like to have a link to them maybe like i hate them because i used to be part of them or maybe uh, they killed my sister and yeah something. maybe they're my friend or i'm part of that association association uh that's the kind of holes we're talking about not being like basically not assuming that your character is fully fleshed out when you're playing mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. kind of backtracking adding information in your backstory as you know what's relevant to the game. Yeah, and, and that's where your game master becomes a big a big help with this, right? If you've just finished your first or second game with them, and then you write them an email or you send them a text and say, hey, you know that, that faction you keep talking about, would it make sense for my hero to be affiliated with them or mm -hmm. have a rivalry with them or, or whatever it is? Because then it, it kind of allows your character's development to be more relevant in the plot that's being told mm -hmm. or in the in the sandbox that you're exploring yeah like my character in your game we just started playing and i know he's highly educated but i don't know about what yet <laughs> <laughs> like i really don't know if there might not be anything specific but maybe if i encounter something that i see come relevant to the plot maybe ancient artifacts oh now i'm interesting in that specific group of people yeah. and their le like legendary artifacts and that's my if again if the game master agrees can become kind of centric to your character so yeah no it's and and, and i think that's an important distinction to make is you can't just say oh yeah <laughs> i'm actually the king's brother you know like <laughs> you yeah. You have to work with your game master, obviously, and, and mm -hmm. be reasonable in the things that you're you're, you're saying. But I think, like, like you said, having uh, an affiliation or a, a background 
that becomes advantageous and becomes relevant is or, perfectly reasonable. Or disadvantageous. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It yeah. also be interesting. And we had a discussion, I think, uh, two weeks ago about that after the game um, about what part should the GM tell the player in advance. For instance, if the game master tells you, you have a rival you haven't seen for 15 years mm -hmm. and you're like, you kind of expect them to show up during the story. If they don't, you might be disappointed. If they do, you're not surprised. So that's one of the, an example of something we said, you know what, don't tell me in advance. Yeah. Just sprung it on me and be like, you, like this guy shows up, you know, you uh, recognize him as your long rival. rival. Whatever, yeah. yeah. And, and that's where the holes in the story can be filled by the game master, even if, if you don't know it yet. We were, we were also talking about things you should tell us in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Remember? So I think one of them was, you know, if you're in search of someone, if, if you've uh, lost a friend, they've been kidnapped or something, well, th well, then in that case, you'd want to know because mm -hmm. it would drive your interactions with certain NPCs. You know, if, if I spring it upon you that, oh, you found your lost sister, you might be like, oh, I had a lost sister. Yeah, there's no build up then, right? There's no build up. There's no, um, there's no drama, and you also don't really get to be involved in finding her. No. You might want to be, you know, it doesn't feel as rewarding if you just find her, whereas mm -hmm. if you were actually taking measures to find her, and then you found her, you would feel kind of like a culmination of 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 your efforts. Yeah. So that's the difference between adding stuff and basically role-playing stuff you already have. So I feel like your character creation should contain those parts where you like, uh, someone has sworn to kill you, uh, then you should know because if you just pop up and I get backstabbed and I'm like, well, I didn't know that, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's just not fair play. So that's the kind of stuff you should know, but you don't have to know everything. Some stuff are m more interesting if they just pop up yeah. in the story. So, so something that uh, one of the critical role players has said before when he creates his player characters is he tries to think about how his character is broken. And I think he means broken in terms of their personality or, mm -hmm. their, or their background. Um, is this something that resonates with you, Chris, in terms of how you create your characters? Yeah, like, like I mentioned before, uh, I like to think of a question. And sometimes this question needs to be linked to the character core motivation. And I think to know what breaks a person, what's wrong with that person creates a lot of interesting story and questions. So the, the player from the critical role, uh, Talison Jaffe has like the most interesting characters and they're really, really deep and, uh, he can explore them because he knows what's wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And maybe the goal is to fix it. Maybe the goal is to realize that there was nothing to be fixed to start with. But it always creates a hero that has issues. And that's very interesting to me. And I think that segues very well in our second part is, now how do you put all these things together? Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of like multiple different ways at this point, we've talked about many of them, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we'd like to maybe go through what different systems do, like what D&D does, and maybe tell you about what we used, how we do it, or at least how we've done it uh, lately. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's pull up the book. We've got the book right here, and we've got the... Fifth edition things. player's handbook. So in the section that says creating a character, it starts us off with what you might expect from a rulebook. It tells you to pick a race, to pick a class, to roll your ability scores. The fourth thing it tells you to do is to describe who your character is. Fourth, yeah. Fifth thing is to pick equipment. And the sixth thing described in three sentences (laughs) is how you fit into your party. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll start with you, Chris. How do you (laughs) feel about that order? Yeah. uh, Don't get me wrong. I think D&D is a great system. It's the mainstream one. Everybody knows it. Uh, There's a lot of good. And I think this is... A very good way to do it but that's one way and right there you have six elements you could start by any of them mm-hmm. using any of them so maybe not necessarily the mechanics but in in terms of what you want the character to be so that's one of maybe six ways and obviously a lot more so i think it's more about how they go in like you mentioned it like teamwork there's you said three sentence and that's kind of when we read it it was almost one sentence it was pretty short yeah it's like you should consider your team yeah okay what's that right? <laughs> um so i think that's when a lot of higher level play comes uh into the game is what is having a good team like what is having a good teamwork so that's one of the example of one way to do it, they cannot write like 50 pages on how to create a character. Right? And, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they say this is a suggestion. Yeah. Follow these steps. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's your first time playing a role-playing game, like the first several times I created a player character, I followed the steps. But, it, but that order to me is not how I think a good player character is created. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a good player character stems from an, an an interesting story an interesting team cohesion in the universe we've found a lot of success starting with the background starting with the teamwork and maybe we can touch on that a little bit um yeah i think i think the main thing is start with the thing that interests you so maybe we can talk about the different ways we did it. we've done it lately yeah absolutely let's get into that so maybe we can go like in chronological order so that's uh we started with my campaign yeah i the game master created the core and the main maybe three skills of each character and then i would give it to the players with uh, a lot of holes uh, for them to fill with what they wanted nothing really restrictive in terms of how to play them and I would give them a backstory, maybe a secret or two uh, that only they know. But with all that, I always tell them, whatever you want to change, mm-hmm. you can change. This is a starting point. This is not imposed on you. It's just because creating out of a vacuum in a system you don't know and a campaign you don't know can be hard. And I also gave a list of questions 
for them to answer about their character. Again, to fill a backstory, just to start mm -hmm. to flow the, like the and, ideas to flow. And I think you, you really allowed us the opportunity to have that emotional input, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the questions on the, if I remember correctly, were more motivational and emotionally driven. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like, how does your hero feel about X? Mm -hmm. You know, how does your hero feel about their master? Or what is their opinion about something happening? I can't remember, mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly what all the questions were. But... Maybe it was something like, uh, how do you feel about um, like power, like um, having a someone in charge mm -hmm. uh what like, for you was how you feel about your mastery all the questions were different from characters to character one of the questions for ludolf was should you kill all mutants mm. and then the next question was what about if it's a kid i don't have an answer for that he needs to figure it out and that kind of came relevant in the story later mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it, it just fuels how you will act as your character yeah, I, I thought those questions were really neat, too. It was those kind of introspective things that made the character feel like they were ours. Because mm -hmm. it, you know, the other side of this is that yes. the player might feel like, hey, I didn't really get a chance to, to create my character. But because you did that, mm -hmm. I think the, the transition into playing this new, new system with a new hero was actually quite nice. It really eased us in, and it felt still enough of our own character because you, you had these elements that were open for us to, to interpret, uh, to input, and to role-play the way we wanted to. Yeah, and I had a couple of players being like, you know, that thing, nah, no, I don't want this. Maybe I should write this instead. And I, I think there's a lot of pros to this. I'm like, Obviously, I won't ask you what you think the pros are because it's your system. But <laughs> maybe you can chime in after. But but I think there was a lot of strengths to what you did, Chris. Um, obviously, there there are a few of the weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Like I said before, the, the the heroes or the players might feel like they don't own the heroes; they're not their hero. But I, that that wasn't the case. Well, for I, me anyway. Maybe for you, but I think it took a while for them, for certain players, to get into the skin of yeah, figure out the character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but I do think that a big advantage that doing this had was that right out of the gate, there were NPCs, there were factions, and there were elements of the world that belonged to each player. Yeah. Like, right out of the beginning, you know, there were people that you were associated with, they were part of your backstory, they were part of your background. And a lot of the time, it takes a while for that to come out. In, in, a, in any kind of role-playing game, it, it takes a few games in my experience, for these kinds of things to happen. Mm -hmm. But because they were already there, you wrote them, so you were able to kind of orchestrate having everything just right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, like, that that's really, really a big strength to the way you did it. Yeah, and having not only the NPC linked, but also the players linked, as we talked yeah. before, some of them knew each other for like days, uh, their weeks or their years, but they were still links. Uh, so when they would meet for the first time as like playing their character, they would not be like, so who are you? They would be like, hey, old friend or new acquaintance. Uh, <laughs> new acquaintance, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, so that, but it would still begin with something. Mm -hmm. And it 
was relevant to the story. Uh, some of them had basically objectives to start with. Like you had letters to de deliver. Mm -hmm. And to start with that, I feel is helps secure the character where I, I don't need to, like, it, is it railroading? I mean, it, it feels like the end of a story and I use it to fuel the campaign I'm running. So I, I don't think it's railroading because you could be just like, I'm not delivering this or I'm opening them or mm -hmm. whatever you want. So. Well, maybe, I mean, saying that it's railroading, I think is a little strong. I, I know that yeah. maybe some people might think, oh, I'm a good enough player that I can come up with these things by myself, maybe. Mm -hmm. But I, I honestly think that in this situation, there were so many things that were new to us that, you know, and I mean, in any situation, in a new campaign, the first game is always extremely hard to follow. There's all these factions, there's all these things. Sometimes you're in a whole new world, you don't know what's going on. So having that background there and telling us, okay, these are the things that you ought to have an opinion on. Yeah. That was very helpful. Um, and it, like you said, it, it allowed us to, to spark interesting conversation, interesting relationships without having to completely improvise it. Some people might be good enough to do that right out of the gate, but it can create problems. Whereas here, I think it, um, it allowed us to stay steer clear of contradictory information, contradictory relationships. Yeah. All of that. And I, and I said like, if I was to do it now, I would do it differently. I think um, the difference would be now you would know the lore, you would know the kind of the world and everything. Mm -hmm. So I would not have that many restrictions and I would probably do it a bit more like we did it in your campaign. You want to maybe talk about how we did it for your campaign, Rising Tide. Yeah, so I'd love to talk about, about how we did it um, in our most recent uh, campaign that we started last week or the week before. Yeah. Um, you guys might not get to see it for a while, but it'll eventually work its way onto here, I'm sure. Yes, yeah, so we haven't addressed that, but like the campaign diaries are a bit lagging behind on purpose because we want to be spoilerful, mm -hmm. right? Um, but yeah, so I, I guess I should start with how I got to this point. Mm -hmm. um, in playing in the fate Fates system, which I think is a really, really interesting system, very... Uh, malleable system they have you create a focus more on your your characters we call them aspects and troubles i took that idea of having these aspects and merged it with an element of another game that i, I don't want to get into much of the details here and get bogged down but this other game is called fiasco we might have already talked about it um, it's a very uh, improv focused game very little rules but one of the things that Fiasco does very well is it creates links between each person before the game starts. So in Fiasco, what you do is you kind of, you have people sitting beside you and in each of these relationships, you have to say something you like about that person and something that you dislike about the other person. And it's never going to be something completely game breaking, but it might be something like, oh, this person here is my brother and I really dislike that they're super bossy. Okay, so now that helps fuel your interactions with mm -hmm. that person. Uh, same thing with the positive one. You might, oh, this person here, I know because they're on my soccer team. And I really like them because they take charge of, you know, of situations. So I took these two elements and tried to find a way to have you guys work together to develop that. 
So what I, what I did, which I don't think is very revolutionary, was I had you guys, all of the players come in for a session zero, where I had everybody come in and talk to each other about what they wanted to play in this upcoming campaign. Yeah, and I think that's a really important part that links to what we were saying before. Like, you all asked us, find basically something you're interested in. Interested in. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the hook guy, uh, I had my quirkiness. Uh, another one had more of a, I think your your wife had something more about class, right? She wanted to be a healer. Yeah, she yeah. wanted to be a more healer focused. Yes, and I don't remember the other one, uh, the other player, what, what he brought i think he he kind of wanted to be magic yeah so I it was kind of class was. too but that shows you different like i didn't have any idea of class or anything so we all brought something and then we discussed and we had multiple ideas i had maybe three core ideas that could be different characters or that could be regrouped in one characters and pretty much everybody had that and then we had a discussion about before rolling stats before figuring out any of the details it's like with that idea will work with the other three ideas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If not, chuck it. And, and I think something that was important too is I gave you guys some background. I said, okay, yeah. mm -hmm. you guys are almost like restrictions, really. I was like, you guys are all on a pirate ship. You're all a crew on a pirate ship who likes each other, who works together. Go. And then that's when you You guys, cannot be the captain. Yeah, and you can be <laughs> the captain because I have a really cool NPC for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and otherwise it's like, someone's ahead and it can, yeah. uh, can create other problems so yeah and i really like that i thought i thought that was a really neat idea of bringing everybody together again common purpose then you can have your individuality following those restrictions sometimes more restriction creates more imagination and that was a good example of it i think and you also talked a bit about the the lore before mm -hmm. we started and if you talked about the lore and someone would be like oh that like i want to make that part of my character for sure yeah. and uh so we had a long discussion yeah and i think what was really fun about that discussion was you guys were very open mm -hmm. and very honest about what you wanted and what you didn't want mm -hmm. and it worked really well it was almost as if the four players were creating the party yeah. together, not their characters. It was four people working together together to create a party of heroes that would work together. Obviously, each player had a hero that they wanted to be, so they would kind of insert their opinions. They're like, oh, you know, I, I really wanted my hero to be more like this or like that. Um, and then everybody worked together so that everybody had what they wanted. And that, and again, by saying have what they wanted, we're not talking about powers. We're not talking about stats. We're just talking about the role that each of these heroes was going to fill in the party and their relationships with one another. Um, and that fueled everything else. Yeah. Sometimes you would mention a power or stat or something, but it really came at the end. And again, like I was saying previously, once we had all this discussion, it was pretty clear for the main skills and even the main perks or powers or talents or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that just really helped with the creation of the characters. 
and then you as the game master, because again, that's a, that's a system that is really malleable. Uh, you basically ended the creation by yourself, by creating all the perks. We were giving you tools and fuels and we were asking you to basically finish the creation. Mm -hmm. So it was almost <laughs> the opposite of what I did, right? It, yeah, it kind of was. I created everything and I asked you to finish the characters where we kind of did. Well, you were part of the creation too of the team. You weren't there just not saying anything. Mm -hmm. you, you were helping us also. Yeah, and it's, I definitely see the weaknesses in it. I mean, the strengths were, I think, speak for themselves that you had a, you know, we had a team of heroes that clearly want to work together now. Mm -hmm. Even after the first game, I think it was really cool. There was all these relationships pre-established. Yeah, the first game went very smoothly because, because of it. Because we started and we knew exactly where everybody was standing. Mm -hmm. We knew everybody's core backstory or links to to them mm -hmm. it just we started right away really really quick as if it was our third or fourth game yeah it was really really mm -hmm. nice um but i do think that the weakness here is and it's kind of the opposite like you said of, of what you did was that now you guys have these heroes that have these affiliations to factions that you don't maybe really know Right, like you have these holes, like you said, your hero is a scholar, but you don't really know what yet. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you if we did it in your way, I probably would have, or you yeah. probably would have said, you're a scholar in this thing, that's your that's your stick, your shtick. Yeah, um, knowing that it's going to be important, as relevant relevant as I want it to be. Maybe uh -huh. it's not super specific, but it's still. I'm not going to make <laughs> you. Uh, the scholar about uh, food when we're going into a place, there's no food. I don't know. Uh -huh, exactly. That's a stupid example, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that's something that I'm, I've been thinking about and I've been trying to come up with, with ways to... Retroactively. Yeah, almost retroactively give you guys the opportunity to make those decisions. Um, something that I've been toying with, I'm not sure if I'm going to have the, the chance to do it because I don't think this campaign is going to be too long. But I'm almost thinking of doing like a multiple choice where I say, okay, your hero is, I'm going to use the example again, you studied this thing, you're, is it A, B, or C? That's good. A being uh, the lore of the pirates, B being uh, temples and their architecture, or C being uh, the social etiquette of the Makoan tribal people. Something mm. like this. And then you get to decide, like, okay, mm. at least I know that all of these things are relevant because I'm the one that came up with them. But it gives you enough freedom to steer your character in the direction you want. I like that. It might be a lot of, like, more work for you because you have to basically come up with three ideas for everything. And they're all potentially relevant, basically. That might give me information about... <laughs> The future. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh, exactly. In this example, I knew pretty much all of this, so that's not, no spoilers for me, but, but yeah, it's, uh, but I like the idea of having a choice that you kind of had a hand into. Yeah. Maybe the other way to do it is ask me for something and I give you my idea. Maybe it's archaeology and then you tell me if that's a good idea or not, or you put a twist on it, so that way you might have not have to create multiple. Yeah, yeah. But I, I wonder how that would go in 
in an environment where you're creating a hero and most of the the hero that you're creating is almost like the result of a taking a test where the whole thing is like multiple choice questions where it's like, okay, you already have kind of an idea of what your background is going to be. Okay. So then how do you, how does your hero feel about this? A, B or C. Okay. How does your hero feel about that? A, B or C. What's your relationship with this person? Good, bad, or I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there. That might be that, interesting. Yeah. To have an actual, like I would see a system, maybe my system, the fate system, I could create like a part that's, character creation that mm -hmm. would just be a list like a, a tree of question that ends up at a certain spot and give yeah. you and based on these answers and where you find yourself in that tree you now know how your hero is going to respond to certain role play situations mm -hmm. you know what your skills might be because you i don't know maybe if we're, if we're getting into some yeah, really yeah. weird stuff yeah that's just but... <laughs> yeah. that's really that's not helping you but we're but, just talking here. <laughs> yeah, but maybe it's it's something that you could do when you're creating your hero is talk to your game master and s see if you can work together to come up with options. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think what we're saying is creating a character in a vacuum is to to us at least not very interesting even if it's super min-maxed and it's super good at doing something and again, min-maxing is like what are you min-maxing for? Are you if you're min max to do a lot of damage, but if your game master doesn't do combat that much, mm -hmm. you're not really maxing right now. So it really depends on the game. So to me, min maxing is, I won't say irrelevant, but it's depends so much on the game that it's, it's not the important part for me. So I think the last the last thing maybe we, we we should add is the secret plot the the behind the scene. I mentioned quickly that when I created the characters for everybody, I put secrets in there. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not super mind blowing secrets, more like something you can keep for yourself until it becomes relevant and you can bring it up as you want. Uh, but in your method, it becomes a bit harder. It does. Um, I kind of initially wanted to give you guys these secrets after mm -hmm. so after hearing what everybody wanted to be and and how they wanted their heroes to play out and the relationships actually that was a big part of it after i heard all of these things i was going to take the, the responsibility upon myself to look into the story that you know i was trying to tell look at the sandbox that you guys found yourselves in and then find secrets that would be you know, like you said, somewhat relevant mm -hmm. and then give them to you maybe in the second game. Okay. I'll tell you now, I haven't done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're playing later. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, my solution to that in the first game anyway, was I had a lot of moments where I took the players aside mm -hmm. and I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to come tell you this because you're really the only one that should know this. It so, sometimes it was perception check. Sometimes it was um, empathy or insight check, mm -hmm. or stuff like that. But yeah, yes. Yeah, so, so that was kind of my uh, bandage solution to not having created those secrets yet. Was saying, okay, I'm going to take these people aside, tell them this information, and then when we go back to the table, they can tell it. If I mean, it's not secret in the sense that nobody ought to know this information. It's just secret in the sense that only you know that information. 
And now you get to role play that information back to your team. And I think that that's a similar result. It is. I think so too. Um, it does create pacing problems, I, I think, where, you know, I'm taking people away from the table or whispering things or whatever. But it, it definitely saved me the effort and time of having to go and come up with these things. Yeah, but I think it's a good, yeah, like you said, it's a good band-aid. It's not like maybe core to the character, but it's core to the rela relation between the character and the story. Mm -hmm. And for instance, uh, in one of the situations, you told me something I knew about a picture on a map, and I was the only one who knew that. And I talked to the another character that, like, let's say, I'm simplifying here, but his tribe, like it's linked to his tribe. And that created a bond between the both of us. And then I was like, I promise you, or I, I won't tell the others. Now, Link, mm -hmm. now it's, it builds something. So that's, I think that's a, that was a clever way to, to bring those secrets element. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, th I think I'm going to keep doing it as long yeah. as it's not too frequent. Um, yeah. We were talking about pacing. I feel like for the first game, it was really good. And it gave us a lot of uh, lore also behind. And I know uh, another of our player, um, who's the hook guy, he told us after the game, there was basically three things you told him, like three different uh, times. And one, he told us basically directly. The other one, he half told us. And the last one, he didn't tell us anything about it because he wanted to keep it for himself. So now it's interesting, like I wanna know. <laughs> and he wants to explore that, so yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what what happens. But I I think that for the most part that sums up a lot of yeah character creation. Maybe the only thing I want to finish on for the secret thing is uh, maybe you don't need a secret, right? We we assume, we like that. We like to have the secret element to our character. But I know some groups that they don't really care about that. They're more mm -hmm. about a team fulfilling a destiny or just a team of adventurer kicking down a door or any variation of that, that you don't need to have a secret from your team because the drawback is maybe someone is a traitor. Yeah. And Ooh. then I could have a whole episode talking about traitors. <laughs> yeah. So it, it might not help team synergy if everybody has secrets. Um, yeah. So that's something to take into account too. You yeah. don't need those. Here I was saying I was done. I'm not, <laughs> that makes me think. Something. Um, I, I think important context here is that the secrets that you're creating or at least in, in our environment mm -hmm. i don't think it's constructive if those secrets necessarily punish the rest of the party or even oppose or oh yeah or oppose mm -hmm. them it, it should really be this is information that your hero knows or background that your hero has or a relationship that you might have but when push comes to shove that secret shouldn't uh, supersede or shouldn't be more important than the rest of your party. Yeah. So I think that's where the importance of this group synergy and establishing the group synergy early on, like we did in, in our session zero, or even, you know, in, in using other tools, it's important to have that relationship built and have it strong. Mm -hmm. Because then when you bring the secrets in, you don't have to worry about, oh, if this person knows this secret, are they going to go and betray everybody because 
now they have this vital piece of information and they can take it and run. And it's like, eh, that's... Yeah, I think, you, I think you're totally right. It's A secret needs to be something that defines part of you. And it might be interesting when it comes up to see how the other players react, like the other characters react to this secret. Maybe they don't really like it, but they you're your they're your friend, mm -hmm. so they won't like they want to learn about it, and then it becomes part of the character creation and uh, relationships. But like even something when I said I promised that character and I won't tell the other ones, I I said I won't tell them unless it becomes relevant, mm -hmm. right? And that's, I think it's a good, like, I, I hope it becomes relevant and I tell the <laughs> other ones and then it creates something interesting, right? Uh, but it might not, and that's okay too. So yeah, it creates opportunity, but it should not create a position. And unless you wanted to, that's how we'd like it. But it, yeah, could, yeah. it could be a nice end of a campaign if like a secret, well, it should be built on, but something happens and... Like in our Blood and Betrayal, we'll talk about it in the campaign diary, but at the end of the campaign, there's a secret that came up that could have gone horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. it, it, it didn't because I think we we as players all kind of had each other's back and we yeah. wanted to kind of work together, I guess. Yeah, but, but I ultimately it was the choice of the player. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. he, I think put the party before yeah. the, the progress of his character. Mm -hmm. It could have gone the other way around where he would have said, you know what, this character's motivations push him to do one thing. Boom. Now we find ourselves in a completely different situation. Yeah. And that happened with another character. So, <laughs> anyway, well, you'll, detail, you'll, find out. you'll find out. You'll find out. All right. That was a really good chat. Yeah. We talked about a lot of things. Um, we talked about how we feel about, you know, rolling stats min-maxing character classes. We also talked about team synergy and how we include it as a priority in our character creation. Um, something that we also challenge is the order that the rule books give you. Um, you know, we, we feel that it's nice to try and spin it around and start from maybe the story elements instead of the statistic elements. Yeah, so the book is really great at leading, especially new players or players that don't really know what they're going to build. But yeah, challenging it is the way we really like to create our characters. And we've talked about different ways we did that. Um, I think one of the ways, like your, the way we did it in your campaign was really good. Just also like try to, like we tried to create the team first and that was really fun. Yeah, and I, I think we, we've started to have a pretty good understanding of, of how to create a, a strong party. But obviously, if this is something that you've had experience doing with your, with your players or with your game master, I, I would love, we would love to, mm -hmm. for you to tell us. So please engage with us and let us know, you know, how have you had success in creating a, a strong party that works together and that's linked to the narrative? I, I would like to see like weird ways to do it. Uh, not necessarily what the book says, right? Something, something very interesting. I would love to see it in the comment below. Um, so I encourage you to, to reach out to us. Our contact information can be found uh, down below. You can email us, you know, Twitter yep. and all that stuff. Email, Twitter. For now, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a very interesting discussion and we're looking forward to seeing you again in the future. Absolutely.
So I think that sums it up, Chris. Yeah, that's pretty much it, Matt. Let's call it a chat. <laughs>